is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. And today we're talking about a new iteration of our strategy here at Family Church because we are committed to starting neighborhood schools everywhere that we have a neighborhood church. And I'm convinced that creating a partnership between the home, the church, and the school is the best way for us to pass our faith on to the next generation. And I'm telling as many pastors as I can that they should consider how they can start a neighborhood school in the facility that they have. That's right. This is an exciting journey, and we're looking forward to taking it together. Like everything else we do at Family Church, we're flying this plane as we build it, but we have some fun new people to help us. So let's have our guests introduce themselves. Pastor Scott? Yeah. Hey, I'm Scott Crawford. I get the privilege to serve as kind of like our CFO here and business administrator and help provide some leadership to a lot of the uh, cross-functional ministries like HR and finance and legal. It's also been my privilege over the last 10 years to help give some leadership to our school. That's right. All right. And a new face, name, voice. New new face (laughs) in this role, but not a new face to Family Church, Jay Bogus. I serve as our superintendent for Palm Beach Christian and Treasure Coast Christian Academies. I've been a member of Family Church for nearly 20 years and have known the Scroggins family and many of our Family Church network for a long time. But prior to to coming to, to serve as superintendent of schools here at Palm Beach Christian and Treasure Coast Christian, and I served in the school district of Palm Beach County for 18 years, starting as a classroom teacher and leaving as chief of staff as of July of 2023. All right. So, Jimmy, let's start with you. What is motivating us to start these neighborhood schools? Yeah. So years ago, Leslie, as you know, we committed to this strategy of planning neighborhood churches. So we said we put a neighborhood pastor in a neighborhood church in a neighborhood building, speaking the neighborhood language. And now the last couple of years, we said, and we want to add a neighborhood school everywhere that we have a facility. So at Family Church, Scott, I think we have what now, but by the end of next year, we'll have like 15 facilities or something like that. All right. So we have all these church buildings all up and down the East Coast of Florida from Port St. Lucie to Stewart to Palm Beach County. And so we want to try to put a neighborhood school, some version of it, everywhere that we own a building. And the reason for that is we're in this cultural moment that's been called a negative world by some cultural commentators because years ago, the United States of America existed in churches, existed in what we call positive world, which is where the institutions and the culture of the United States of America tended to actually support and advance the same values that we have as Christians. So they're often called Judeo-Christian values. These Christian values, these biblical values were supported and embraced and advanced by the culture and by major institutions of our culture. Then we went into a phase where it was we call neutral world, which is where maybe the cultural institutions did not support those values or trumpet those values, but they certainly didn't oppose those values. And they created space for Christians to articulate and live out these biblical values so that we had significant influence on places like school, government, neighborhood organizations, things like that. But now we're in what we call negative world, which means that our cultural institutions are now 
actively resisting our biblical values in many places. There are a few places in the Bible Belt or a few places in rural areas where maybe they feel like, hey, that's not really happening where we are. But I always uh, say that's kind of like the hobbits in the Shire (laughs) saying, hey, there's really no problem because it's not true. And so we are living in negative world. Because of that, we have to equip our parents, particularly fathers, to fight for their values, to fight for their families, to fight for their children. We have a cultural institutions that are pushing against our biblical values. We've got to push back and defend our opportunity to pass on our biblical values to the next generation. And that's the cultural moment that we live in. And to do that, we've created this parish model, neighborhood church, neighborhood pastor, neighborhood building, neighborhood language, and now we're saying neighborhood school. And we think that if you have this powerful institution of the Christian home that is instituted by God, that is the foundation of society, and then you have this powerful institution, the Christian church that was instituted by God. That is the way that God wants us to organize ourselves as missionary outposts in this world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then you have the Christian school, which can come alongside the church and the home and can help parents form all day long the biblical values and the worldview of these children. And you put these three things together and have them working in concert, you now have a powerful engine for passing faith on to the next generation so that we're not losing successive generations to cultural institutions that are opposing us. We are actually gaining people because when other people in these communities see Christians with marriages that are working, with relationships with their children that are enjoyable and pleasant and powerful. When they see us able to have these kinds of substantial friendships that we can share among a church family, that's going to be attractive to a world whose values and whose foundations are crumbling more and more every day. When they see that, they're looking for a place to stand and they're going to look around and see the church, home, and school partnerships thriving and flourishing in this era and they're going to be attracted to it. It's going to give us opportunities to do evangelism. That's kind of a long answer to That's a, a short question. That's a great answer. So yeah, Pastor Jay, I wonder if you have any perspective on those thoughts. Yes. Yeah, so we're living in, as Pastor described, a, a unique place, space, and time in history. I kind of told a little bit about how I started as a classroom teacher and leaving as the chief of staff for the 10th largest system of schools in America. But I know this, no matter where I was at in that leadership journey, I had an opportunity to continue to serve the one true and living God. That's who I knew I served and what I was doing. And in that, being able to provide that hope and that spirit and passion for those families and those children. So I preface all of that to say, I know that I came here for a particular reason. Like we've been studying in Luke, that we have a calling as a universal body of believers, but we also have an individual calling on each of our lives. My calling has been education. And when I heard the vision of about a church, a home, and a school, I turned to my wife and I said, I believe this is that next step. And this leadership journey has, I say, equipped me to be able to step into this role shoulder to shoulder like men with Scott Crawford and Jimmy Scroggins to say, this is what we want for our children. I'm speaking personally as much as I am professionally. I want it for my kids and my family. And I also want it for everyone else. If this is what you're seeking, what you're looking for, this is that opportunity. And what we're building out, as Jimmy described, this is everything from Palm Beach, Martin, St. Lucie and beyond wherever 
where God calls us next to put that partnership together, to really, as our mission states, to discover and pursue God's design and what it means for our families and the next generation of learners and leaders in our community. So we're putting all of this together and trying to figure it out as we go. So what are some of the distinctives we've identified as we put these launch these schools along with our churches? Yeah, I know Jay's got some speaking points that he uses that I'll let him share in just a minute. But I, I think what we're saying is we're not really trying to be or aspire to be like any other kind of school. Like there's a lot of great Christian schools in our community. There's a lot of great private schools in our community. And look, we we need all of them, right? And, and we're for all of them. We have a lot of them, our members in our church, people who are in the public school system and the private school system. And we're we're for all of all of those schools. What we're trying to do, though, is, as Pastor alluded to, was the the combination leverage the power and the influence of the church, the home, and the school. And so the type of school that we're trying to build is really focused on that biblical worldview. And biblical worldview, when I say that, what I don't mean is we're teaching a regular curriculum, and then we have we add a Bible class to it and call it a biblical. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to instruct kids to, as they learn and grow and develop the and experience the world around them, to look through everything through the lens of scripture. And so that's what we what we say with that. We're also trying to develop critical thinkers. One of the things we want to do is have kids learn to reason for themselves. Why does the Bible say this? What's the benefit? Why why do we adhere to what God's word says? Why do we think God's design is the best and the, and the right way? We want them to be able to form cohesive thoughts and then and arguments and then articulate those in a winsome and compelling way. Mm-hmm. We also focus on spiritual habit formation. There's tons of research on on the benefits of habit formation. Our simply focuses on the transformation of where we believe all of our thoughts and actions flow from, and that's the heart. So the expression of that transformation can be observed in numerous ways, but it really starts with the heart. So Jay, I know you've developed, we've talked about this, and Pastor Jimmy's helped us think this through. We've got four or five kind of key distinctives that are kind of part of our common language. You want to talk a little bit about what those are and how we kind of commonly refer to the what we're trying to do? Be glad to. Brother, you did a fantastic job of kind of outlining some of the, the key macro points. But I'll, I'll be clear about the four distinctives, that this is a classical, Christian, accessible, and neighborhood school concept. And as stated, this is spreading throughout Palm Beach, Martin, and St. Lucie County, and really wherever God calls us next. As part of this classical Christian system of schools, it begins at the early learning stages of life as we have vision for it through eighth grade and I'll even say beyond with both high school and postgraduate collaboration opportunities ahead that will really empower our next generation of learners and leaders to discover and pursue God's design for them and leading to kingdom glory impact. This classical Christian education is rediscovering the joy of learning, empowering the curiosity and inquiry of a child, rooted in a timeless pedagogy of a classical instruction that is academically rigorous, that combines truth, spiritual formation as you talk to, Scott, and character development, all built on a Christ-centered foundation that students will learn to evaluate concepts and experiences through this biblical worldview. The other two distinctives of accessible and neighborhood. Access can mean a variety of things to a variety of families, but simplistically, It's every neighborhood family church that we have and we plant will have a neighborhood school. It also means the opportunity to reach all learners, no matter what the learning style or abilities that we can create educational accommodations, academic supports, inclusivity, so that every child has a chance for this classical Christian education. This is also going to be in 
compilation with HB1 and the Universal Voucher. The idea that we're putting it affordable for our families. Trying to hit that price point that says, hey, no matter where you're at, no matter what kind of learner, we have an accessibility and affordability for you and your family. Now, now Jay, the HB1, talk a little bit about that because many of our listeners aren't from Florida, but we do have a unique opportunity in Florida right now. And there are other states that are embracing this concept. So talk to us about what you mean there. I'd be glad to. So House Bill 1 was passed in last legislative session. And the state of Florida at this current time has the most innovative and expansive voucher system in the United States of America, surpassed Arizona, which had been the leader for the last three years. And really what it says is it takes off all income caps. If you are a child in this state, you have the opportunity to receive what is an upwards of anywhere between $7,800 and $8,300 per kid to have the education of your choosing, whether that's private, parochial, public, charter, homeschool, virtual school, list goes on. And it was really tagged on to the Parents' Bill of Rights that Governor DeSantis passed this last legislative session. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons like, we're glad that we exist in the free state of Florida <laughs> is because that's a real thing. And I do think that our state's commitment to parent choice when it comes to their kids is remarkable. It's exemplary. And I do think other states are going to continue to take notice and develop their own appropriate versions for their states that are going to mimic a lot of the sort of the components of what's happening here in Florida. But because we have this opportunity in Florida, we do have a unique opportunity because that means that every parent, so there are parents out there who's like, hey, I, I can never afford to put my kids in private school. All of a sudden, now they have between seven and 8000 bucks in their pocket that can go directly towards Christian education for their kids. So that does give us a really unique, a really unique opportunity. But Scott, even if they, you know, we get a different administration in a couple of years and Governor Santos is going to be term limited, so he's out, or maybe he becomes president or whatever, then another administration comes in and maybe they change the program. They don't like the program and so the program goes away. That has nothing to do with our commitment to Christian education, does it? No, that's right. And Pastor, you talk about this a lot on the podcast. Everything that we do is scalable. So like the things that we're trying to accomplish with our school isn't just because we're multi-side or because we feel like we're in a season of unique blessing from from the Lord. I mean, everything that we're doing is missional for us. It's it's tied to our mission, our vision, our strategy are all in alignment and so regardless of how the economic uncertainty ebbs and flows, what, what happens in the housing market, what happens in the local economy, that doesn't really inf- influence what we're doing because the way that we do it, we're trying to make this, as, as Jay said, we're trying to make it affordable for every family that wants to have their child in our school. We're making a way for them to do that. Yeah. And one of the things I, I so appreciate about our strategy, we are trying to put a school in church facilities that we already own and have already been built. And even when we build new church facilities, and we're building several church facilities right now, we're building the facility we need for the church. We're making minor investments or modifications to our existing or future facilities to make sure we can meet the needs of a school. So that might mean maybe, you know, in Florida, if you want to have preschoolers, they all have to be on the first floor. So you've got to, you've got to make that real. And then there are certain situations where you've got to have a, a special child's bathroom in the room or we got to put that, or maybe you have to have a door that goes from the classroom directly to outside in case there's a fire. Okay. We got, it. so there's some relatively minor investments or modifications we can make to our buildings, but we're not building new buildings. We're not borrowing 
borrowing a bunch of money to build new school facilities. We're taking the facilities we have. And this is why I think every church that is listening and every church should consider starting some form of a Christian school. So let's step away from the family church model for a second. What are some different ways we've seen churches do this? Because you may say, well, wow, Family church, you're able to hire the chief of staff from the largest whatever school system, and you got Jay Boggess, and you got Scott. I'm just a church out here. We have three or four hundred people come to church, and we don't have massive facilities. I don't have the ability to hire somebody like that. How could they? What are some ideas that we've seen or thought of that that could let churches get started? Yeah, I think when we talk about strategic plans, I think every strategic plan has a couple of ceilings. One of those is leadership, and one of those is resources. And so within every church, and again, we've, we talk about this on the podcast a lot, every church has men and women who have a particular passion or a heart's desire to see the Lord move in a specific way. And so within each church listening, you have people that are already attending your church that could help you achieve this kind of a mission and vision. And so we, we're fortunate, as, as Jimmy said, we have assembled what we think is our version of the Avengers <laughs> and, and our staff. But that's not just because of the title or the position they held in some other organization. It's because the heart they have, the alignment they have, the passion they have to see us be successful in accomplishing our mission and vision. And then, Jimmy, as you talked about, the resources. I mean, so the ceilings are leadership and resources. Well, we're not building new buildings for the school. We're using the resources that we already have at our disposal. And that's what we see a lot of churches who've, who've been successful at this is they're not trying to reinvent the wheel or build new buildings. You can develop your own curriculum if you want to. You can buy off-the-shelf curriculum. There's lots of institutions that are out there that will actually sell you their version of online school. So there's all kinds of ways to actually get at, at running a school that don't require huge capital investments in terms of curriculum or buildings. And so again, I encourage everybody that's listening just to, man, just look within your own your own resource that you have and within the people who are already attending who may actually want to help you accomplish that. Let me just throw some ideas out there too. And then maybe you guys want to interact with it. So for instance, if you have a if you have a building and you have some kind of a fellowship hall, and maybe it might have 40 seats in there, you could see 25 people around round tables. Okay, you can host maybe a one-room schoolhouse. You could host a classical conversations group. You could partner with an organization that puts Christian schools in existing church facilities. You could go to Liberty University. They will white label an entire online curriculum put your own logo on it and you pay them and it's a very reasonably priced curriculum and they will provide literally everything. You'll just have to provide a proctor in the room to supervise the kids and help them with immediate questions. The King's Academy here in West Palm Beach will do a very similar product where they will create your own curriculum. They will do all the back end for you. You pay them a very reasonable price. They have it. So there are so many different ways between online, between homeschool co-op type groups, starting your own fully orb school. Because the truth is when you think Christian school, a lot of people don't want to do it because they're thinking, oh my gosh, now I got to build like a football stadium and I've got to, I've got to hire a basketball coach. I got to build a gym. I got to, I got to build this giant library. You don't have to do all that. Churches who can do that, go ahead and do it. So there's a handful of churches out there who are going to be able to go big and they're going to win the state championship in football and they're going to have, okay, you know, state of the art, fine arts. If you can do that, do it, build it. But if you say that's not who we are and most of our listeners, that's not who you are. 
do what you can do with what you have. And Jay, I wonder if you have some thoughts about that because you, you've worked with charter schools, public schools, all kinds of situations. Yeah. So l- let me provide a, a little bit of a unique perspective to even the definition of school, similar to what you've just done, Pastor Jimmy. As part of our initiative, we're, we're really laying a foundation on early education, early childhood, and not the idea that this is a playground and it's babysitting. This yeah, is not yeah. daycare. This is a legitimate school concept. And the reason we're saying that laying a foundation with early childhood is it's utilizing our current facilities. Most churches have some type of nursery or a children's facility to work with that provides the space. But it's also the idea that as a 20-year veteran administrator and teacher, I've seen that that's where the achievement gap actually starts. It doesn't start in third grade or eighth grade or graduation, it actually happens before they even enter into kindergarten. So I use some statistics, right? We've hovered right around 50% as a nation in third grade reading proficiency. And the third grade reading teacher looks at the second grade reading teacher and says, hey, you got to do a better job. And then second grade to first grade and first grade to kindergarten. But really that happens before they even enter. So if we had a really robust early childhood network of schools that could then complement what either public schools do doing charter schools, doing other private parochials, even our system, then we're going to elevate what the end outcome for student achievement looks like. So pastor, I'm kind of giving him a a greater definition to who we are. It also gives us the ability to build these cohorts of families in the next 12, 24, and 36 months that then on-ramp us to building these K-5, K-8 concepts, but it actually starts as a two, three, or four-year-old because that family goes, man, I love what I'm getting in this classical Christian early education. Imagine what that will be like in kindergarten through eighth grade, and they're already bought into what we're doing. Yeah, I love all of that. And Leslie, we're kind of enjoying as a church team, those of us who work on the church side, we're enjoying this sense of partnership and forward movement too, because we're having access to a lot more families. We are. It's exciting to see the people coming and some of the stories that we're seeing emerge from this idea of church, home, and school. And again, Jay, I think you've told some of the best stories. I don't know if you'd be willing to share those with our listeners. I would be glad to. I've I've got one immediately that comes to mind for church, home, and school. We've rolled out what we call parent university, and that is the ability for our principals who, in, in the uniqueness of family church, are actually pastors. And they We've partnered with the campus pastor. So the campus pastor and the principal are coming with our families. We're going through a book series, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and really working with our families on what that looks like. It's in addition to academic curricula and all those other aspects, but we're holding it monthly. And um, a mom came in. She was a little bit late, and we run it on a Wednesday night, which is normally youth group night anyway. And she came and she sat down, and the pastor of the church was up there, but the principal, so she was kind of taken back like, is this the church event or is this the school event? And I said, well, it's both. Welcome. Do you have a child here? And she goes, yeah, they attend Lake Park. Well, you're in the right place. But I kind of feel like if she had said, no, my my daughter's going to youth group, I said, well, you're in the right place as well. (laughs) That is the beauty of kind of this entire concept that it is a church home school. And really, as we're partnering with these families, the idea that she really didn't, is this the church or the school? And it's the beautiful marriage of both and what that really looks like for our families and our kids. 
A second story that kind of comes to mind is what what I've dubbed suspension to redemption story. <laughs> hey, some of us have lived that, <laughs> brother. I, yes. I think it's daily for for me and my five kids. But where, where I'm at is I get a phone call. Hey, superintendent, wanted to update you on kind of a storyline that that is developing. As as first or second grade kids will we'll do, they got a little scuffle on the playground and they're taken down to the principal's office. But as I say, our principal isn't just a principal, he's a pastor. And he really starts to, to dig into who these young men are, why that they had the altercation that they did, and really finds out that there is deep brokenness in both of these families. I won't go into the full dynamics of both of these stories, but I assure you, just like our three circles are shared, there is brokenness in both of these young men. And we start to talk through, or the pastor starts to talk through, what that means and how that story unfolds and leads both of these young men to salvation as part of what was going to turn into, and I think did, an in-school suspension, but really came to be eternal salvation as a result. Again, I compliment who we are and the pastor and principal that we have in our schools, but more importantly, the intentionality of what God's design is for us and that we're mission-driven beyond the educational realm and how we're reaching our families and our kids. Hey, Scott, I wonder, so somebody's listening and they say, hey, um, we don't have a school or we used to have a school, but we closed it down a long time ago. I'm interested. Where would you recommend they start? If they hear this, what's the first thing they should do? Yeah, I mean, I think you you alluded to it earlier. We always say start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. The good news is, is that most of the churches that are listening already have a kids ministry of some kind. There's some some group that meets on Sunday mornings or whenever your church gathers. You may have a youth group and or student ministry. And so you already have some of the the bones, if you will, or infrastructure in place to host those ministries. And this is in some ways largely just an extension of those ministries. So if you already have a building, in fact, you're, you're halfway there. We talked about everything that we do is scalable. So you may start, Pastor Jimmy, you alluded to the one the one-room schoolhouse concept. I mean, start there. Grab a couple of people who have a heart and a passion for this. As you mentioned, Liberty and King's Academy are some of the partners that we've talked to and interacted with. There's all kinds of ministry partners out there who can provide you with curriculum. Certainly, uh, organizations like ACSI mm-hmm. exist, and they, they also can help you think through. They've got resources on their websites, places that you can go. Any accrediting agency you know, has a lot of resources available to you to help you think through the right way to structure and, and implement a school. But yeah, start small. You, you don't have to build a K through eight day one. You can start with a single room kindergarten class and allow that to build over time as interest increases and enrollment increases. And so, so yeah, you don't, you don't have to build it all at one time. It's the eat the elephant a bite at the time concept on some of that. I mean, Jay, what would you, those are practical. What would anything that you would add? Yeah. So there is no one-size-fits-all answer to this. Uh, We're able to kind of evaluate where we're at, customizing each piece of this, but I would say the encouragement in anyone looking or how to convince you, idea that freedom isn't free, and unless a next generation is taught to embrace and to seek the truth, beauty, and goodness of God's design, the world will tell them differently. Mm -hmm. So now, as Pastor Jimmy opened up with, It's more critical now than ever that we're partnering with our families to teach what this looks like in the core institutions as we've talked through throughout this podcast. Yeah. So my encouragement is if you're listening to this, 
you have an interest in starting a school, the number one thing you should do is don't do nothing. Do something. <laughs> Pick up the phone, call somebody, Google something, call Liberty University, call the King's Academy, call us, figure out a way to move the ball forward and start thinking realistically about how you could start a Christian school or host a Christian school in the facilities that you have. And Leslie, I'm more excited than ever about our strategy, and I can't wait to see how God uses us to transform our communities as we just strengthen this partnership that I think God has ordained between the home and the church and the school. And I believe if we'll do that, we can impact and pass our faith on to generation after generation after generation, and all these things could have ripples that last literally hundreds of years. So don't do nothing, do something. Christian schools could be a way that you can move your strategy forward. For now, I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off from church for the rest of us with Leslie Bennett, Scott Crawford, and Jay Boggess. This is concluding our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.